Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast and joining me for the last show of the decade. Is that possible? The last show of the decade? My co-host, Stephen Kerr. And could you imagine, Stephen, a decade ago that you would be hosting a podcast? <laughs> no, actually, I, I didn't. I mean, a decade ago, I was I was still in radio. Um, in music radio mostly. It wasn't even involved in sports very much other than the writing that I do. But yeah, it's amazing how, uh, you know, in a, in a decade, something, a medium like podcast has become so popular. So, wow, it, it's pretty cool. The end of a decade and, uh, you know, the, the, really the, the start for me, actually, of uh, something pretty new and exciting since I joined you back in July. Had you even started listening to podcast a decade ago? Yeah, well, you know, let me think. That I, I don't know about a decade ago. I'd say within the last five or six years, I've really became a, a big podcast listener, not just to your show, but you know, a lot of podcasts from a lot of different genres. So I'd, I'd say within the last five years, I, I've really gotten onto podcasts. In fact, now I listen to more podcasts than I do live radio. I mean, it's not even close now. Yeah, I feel like I started listening maybe in 2007, and there was a time where you would have to explain to people what a podcast was. And, and I'm glad I'm past that time because <laughs> I got yeah. a little bit tired of, the, you know, trying to tell people, even when we first started, I think it was, you know, hey, I'm doing a podcast. And, you know, some people were like, well, how do I get that? What do I, you know, not, now what I, is a podcast? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So my how times have changed and sports is certainly no exception. I mean, you look back over the last 10 years and it, it's just crazy. How many things have happened and, and how many things have really changed in the sports landscape? Yeah, and, and I thought about, you know, we thought about maybe doing a top 10 moments in Houston sports for the decade. And then we thought, that's just too much work, right, Steve? <laughs> I, I'm glad we didn't because, to be honest, Robert, even just doing the top 10 sports moments of Houston in 2019, it's pretty difficult. I mean, you could take a top 10 in each of the sports and – still leave something out, you know, it, I mean, it, it really is more difficult than people think. And, and really, no matter what you do, no matter what order you put them in, somebody's going to find fault, you know, well, you left this completely out or no, that should have been higher than, I mean, it, it just isn't as easy when you start sitting down and writing it out. I think I changed mine two or three times and I don't know, I'm still not sure if it's a, a, a great list, but you know, it's, it's, it, it's really all an individual thing. And that's, that's really what, what makes it so interesting. I think. All right. We're going to go one at a time and, and I'll just kind of give my one and two. And then if, if it matches up with yours, then you can give me that. If not, you can give me what the first one on your list is or the second, whichever one's the next one on your list. But yeah, we're, we're doing top 10 Houston sports moments in 2019. If you, didn't catch it with our title, and we we sort of previewed it in the last podcast. And and number one, and and I don't even know if this is a really close call for us, Stephen. October the twentieth. Let's go back to Game Six of the American League Championship Series. DJ LeMahieu had hit a two-run home run to tie the game in the top of the ninth, but then with two outs in the ninth, Jose Altuve uh, he comes to the plate and and, and he hits a ninth inning walk-off home run off of Raldis Chapman. That was pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I would have been surprised if we had both differed on the number one moment because, I mean, that that had so much significance in so many ways, you know, not just the fact that it propelled the Astros 
into another World Series. But the the subplot that you mentioned before that with Roberto Osuna, I mean, it, it, the Astros were on the verge of winning that game. Roberto Osuna gives up that home run, and it just it, it's like somebody burst your balloon, and you're thinking, oh, there's got to be this game can't be it's not going to end that way. And Jose Altuve, and and not only just from the significance of the moment, but just the player who did it. I mean, who better to win, get that walk-off home run than everybody's favorite Astro, the heart and soul, I think AJ has called him more than once, Jose Altuve. So, yeah, that that was definitely – that. I didn't really have to think twice about that being the number one. With the second top moment of Houston sports in 2019, you really, for me, I only had to go back six days from from that event and game two of the ALCS, bottom of the 11th inning, Carlos Correa steps to the plate and hits a walk-off home run. Why not just start off with the two <laughs> game-winning home runs against the Yankees, Stephen? <laughs> All right, I think, we should, I think we should have a disclaimer before we go any further. Uh, for the listeners, you and I did not compare notes before we started this. You you don't have any idea what mine is. I don't have any idea what yours is. Okay, so having said that, uh, that was also my number two. I mean, I, I really think those top two, how, how can you not have one without the other, really? Um, because if the Astros had gone down 2-0, who knows what would have happened? I and, mean, you know, that that was big for a number of reasons as well. So, yeah, that was my number two also. Here's a fly ball into right. Back at the wall. This game. Now, maybe we differ in the next one. We'll see. Uh, January 4th, I'm going to go back almost a year ago. Rockets versus Golden State. Rockets faced the defending champion Warriors who were at full strength with, this is the the big-time Warriors, Curry and Thompson and Draymond and Durant. Chris Paul wasn't playing for the Rockets. He was out with an injury. At one point in the game, the Rockets trailed by 20. But the game goes to overtime, 2.7 seconds left. The Rockets down by 2 and two of the best defensive players in the last decade, Draymond and Clay, draped all over James Harden. And Harden hits a fallaway three-pointer to win the game. 44 points, 15 assists, 10 rebounds. It was his fifth straight 40-point per- performance. And in my opinion, the game of his career. Harden trying to get free. Down to three, down to two. It's a three. Good! Good! He got it! With one second to go. You know, I, I'll be honest. I There were so many James Harden moments, and, and I, I honestly, for some reason, that one got buried in me trying to think of what would be a great James Harden moment. Uh, so, yeah, I actually had, I had the Texans win over the Patriots as number three. It, it may not have been a specific, well, I mean, if you look at a specific moment, that interception that set that really set things in motion. But I, I've, I had the Texans win over the Patriots at number three just because the monkey off your back syndrome. But yeah, it's hard to argue with yours because that was such an incredible shot. If you're talking about an actual moment, I, I do have a, a James Harden thing with the Rockets, but yeah, I, I, I would have to say your number three is probably better than mine really in, in some respects. Yeah, let's get back to that uh, Texans win against the Patriots because I have that on my list 
at number five, but but it's tied with something else. So hold that thought for a second. My number right. four is September the 1st. Uh, Justin Verlander joins Nolan Ryan, Sandy Koufax, Bob Feller, Larry Corcoran, and Cy Young as the sixth pitcher ever to throw at least three no-hitters. Verlander pitches that fantastic no-hitter in Toronto thanks to Abraham Toro, who came up with a game-winning opposite field home run with two outs in the top of the ninth inning to get him (laughs) to that no-hitter. You know, I started to put that in there. I, I had it in there initially, and then I, I just – there are so many great Astros moments. I, I mean, because without that home run, that that no-hitter may not have happened because the Astros just were garnering no offense in that game. Um, yeah, I, I had that in there initially, and I took it out. I, I had the Chris Paul-Russell Westbrook trade as number four just because of its significance. But, yeah, that that the Justin Verlander no-hitter – Certainly, not only for the accomplishment itself, but just for the dramatic moment that, you know, without that home run by Toro, who knows if it would have happened at all. Well, I, I had the Chris Paul trade. It's it's in my top 10 for sure. July 11th, uh, people, you know, you forget the day, but it's the day after my birthday. So it's easy for me to That's remember right. that one. And it's, uh, you know, two first round picks, Chris Paul, the right uh, to swap two first round picks for uh, the former MVP is who you got, uh, the walking triple-double Russell Westbrook. You know, I, I mean, this is the deal, Stephen. Some may argue it, it's not a top-10 moment because maybe you don't like Westbrook. Maybe you didn't like the trade. But it, it's definitely a seminal moment in franchise history. And the Rockets got a much healthier all-star than Chris Paul. Well, I think you have to take the emotion out of, you know, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. It's significant because it changed the face of the Rockets. I mean, it totally changed the face of the Rockets. Just like another thing that we'll get to on my list later, but uh, yeah, what's significant about that, Robert, is that took place around the time that you and I started doing this podcast together. In fact, I think it was our second podcast. I think our, our first podcast was the whole Kawhi Leonard, you know, thing happening and domino effect, and then right after is when the uh, Chris Paul Russell Westbrook trade happened. So it was significant for a number of reasons, I guess, for you and me, but. Yeah, I, I had that one uh, as my number four on my list. Yeah, we, we we talked about this before we did it. We said, well, numbering these was probably a little bit, I think, harder than actually coming up with maybe which ones were going to be our top 10. And e- even so, Stephen, it was like when I was trying to come up with, you know, which ones to put, a, put what to put ahead of what, some people might, it might be based on, you know, which team is your favorite team or if you liked a certain moment that was it was a little bit more special to you i mean the altuve one we knew was going to be number one but beyond that it was it was tough yeah outside the top two i would say and 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 i also tried to balance out all the sports you know not just sticking with i mean i could easily come up with you know five astros moments and five texans or rockets moments and be done but i really tried to balance things out and and look at not just the significance of the moment or you know the deal as it were but just the significance of each sport and, and try to give, you know, equal billing to as many of the sports as possible. Okay. You mentioned uh, part of my tie for number five, December 1st, we go back to the Texans beat Belichick and Brady uh, for the first time that they'd beat those two guys in combination in a game that counts. Anyway, they don't just win. They dominate on both sides of the ball, despite a pathetic last three minutes of Ben, but don't break defense. Don't want to talk about that. But also <laughs> at, at my number five, I, I put this in a tie 
just because I, I just love this moment. And I, and I felt like, you know, I, I wanted to include this uh, somewhere on my list and somewhere up sort of high. October 27th, Texans versus Raiders, Stephen, with the Texans down four, 634 left in the game. Deshaun Watson appears to be trapped for a certain sack and a huge loss. But Watson, he wouldn't go down. Spun out of the sack, got kicked in the face, somehow throws a strike to Darren Fells for the go-ahead score. To me, that was the gutsiest play in Deshaun's career so far. Well, that's hard to argue with, not only for the fact that you have it in there and where you have it, but just, yeah, I mean, it's, it's gutsy, I don't think is the word for it. I mean, most people would have been knocked out of the game having that happen to him. But uh, Deshaun not only made that play, but he stayed in the game. And that, yeah, that, that was quite a play. And I did consider that. I actually had a different Texans play as my number five, and that was Justin Reed's stop of the Jaguars' two-point conversion. It not only preserved the victory for the Texans, but it kept them from going 0-2. I mean, the significance of that, if they had gone down 0-2, who knows where the season would have gone from there. It, it could have easily spiraled out of control, just like it did last year. And the Texans may or may not be sitting in the playoffs right now. They certainly don't think they would have been AFC South champs if they had lost that game. So not only did they keep it from going 0-2, but just the significance of the play and the dramatics at the end, that's what I had as my number five. That's a good one. I, I didn't even think about that one. That, that's a very good Texans play. Uh, what was your six? What was six on your list? Six on my list was Jordan Alvarez's debut, specifically the two-run homer. It was just his second at-bat. You know, he, he kind of came into it with a little bit of pressure. You know, the players kind of put some pressure on him. You got to hit a home run today. And, you know, that really set in motion. I mean, we'd already been hearing about Jordan Alvarez and how he was tearing things up in the minor leagues. But until you get to the major leagues, you don't know how things are going to turn out. Well, his first day, he hits that two-run homer, and that just set things in motion for the rest of the season. So that was my number six. I didn't have the home run, but I do have, as my number nine, June 8th, the Astros call up Jordan Alvarez from Round Rock. I'm thinking of actual moment of that second where you go, hey, Jordan Alvarez is finally getting called up. Awesome, because who would have guessed when the season started that this would be a major moment, Stephen? I mean, Alvarez had 23 home runs and 71 RBIs when he was called up. After his call-up, 27 home runs and 78 RBIs with the Astros. He was AL Rookie of the Year. Uh, his OPS in the World Series, if we forgot, was over 1,000. And when the year started, Stephen, we had no idea this was even going to be a deal. We, no, we didn't. I mean, but it, it really had the same, I think, impact as when Carlos Correa was called up because you just expected, you know, maybe great things are going to happen. And, you know, with Jordan Alvarez, I, I, but I don't think we even realized when when Jordan was called up just, just how great his season was going to be. Yeah, I know he struggled a bit in the postseason, but the, the type of regular season he had, and, and in my case, when I was trying to come up with moments – you know, we had to have one from Jordan in there at some point, but but I just think the the two run homer, it it just set things in motion. So uh, that was my number six. Number seven, I go back to August thirty first, and this is when Bill O'Brien puts his stamp as a general manager on the Texans franchise, trades two first round picks, one second round pick to Miami for Kenny Stills and Laramie Tunsil, and I think. For a lot of Texans fans, that was a shocker for many reasons. At the time of the trade, 
he was widely criticized for how much he gave up in the trade, but Texans fans quickly found out they got a Pro Bowl tackle who's quickly becoming the best in the game, who transformed the offensive line from awful to good, and who protects the team's most valuable asset, Deshaun Watson, Stephen. You know, I, I had that in there initially, and then I took it out. Again, it was one of those things you wrestle with because, yeah, it, it was a very it, – and, and I also had something else in there that I took out, uh, which was the firing of Brian Gang because that that's pretty significant in, in propelling Bill O'Brien into the GM, head coach, all everything situation. Um, my number seven, my, my James Harden moment really was, was my number seven. And that was his 60 point game recently against the Hawks. But, you know, if I had it to do over again, I, I would probably put the, the play that you had against the Warriors just because of how significant that particular moment was. But uh, James Harden, I mean, it just um, we, we could do a whole top 10 on James Harden and still leave out a bunch of stuff. But his 60 point game, just incredible. Uh, yeah, I know it was against the Hawks, but still, it's hard to score 60 points in the NBA no matter who you're playing against. I had that as my number seven. But it wasn't his only 60-point game. He's no, gonna... it was not. It, it wasn't. You're right. Uh, let's go to number eight. And, and July 31st, and were you talk about seconds mattering, we're talking about moments of the year. Well, this is a moment. This is a second because with precious seconds left before the Major League Baseball trade deadline, the Astros shocked baseball when they got Zach Granke, one of the best pitchers in baseball in the last decade. And for a team that's desperately, uh, they were they desperately needed a starter at that time. Granke gave them a former Cy Young, a top 10 caliber pitcher, and a reliable innings eater. Luno rolled the dice, gave up four of his top six prospects. The deal looked like it had paid off, Stephen. Remember, it looked like it had paid off in Game 7 of the World Series, but... I don't even want to discuss what happened after that. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you can go back and listen to the podcast after Game 7 if you want to hear all about that, right? Well, that's where you and I match. I have that as my number 8 also. I, I might have ranked it higher if, I, I guess, over the course of the season, you know, Grinky had been lights out. Uh, I mean, you can't complain what he did in the World Series, certainly. But, yeah, I had that as my number 8 as well uh, just because it it was really a shocker. I mean, I remember you and I – Again, it was maybe a couple of weeks after I started doing the podcast with you, and we did a special show right after that trade deadline, and we just talked about how shocking. I mean, I, I just don't think any of us expected it. We we were expecting maybe some other names to be acquired, but Zach Grinky, it certainly wasn't on my radar screen, and it, it probably wasn't on yours either, and just the significance of what they gave up for him. Uh, yeah, I also have that as my number eight. Number nine, like I said, was Jordan. What was your nine? My nine was actually, I, I kind of went out of the loop a little bit just because of how dominant she was this year. And that's Simone Biles' championship and, and just the, the whole way she dominated. I know she's close to your heart, but uh, I, I was trying to give gymnastics a little love and <laughs> give Simone some love here. So that that was my number nine. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think that would be my first runner up and it, it, it almost hard to even put it that far back, but not just that Biles won the championship. Do you remember what she was dealing with when she won the, the, her her fourth, was it her fourth championship or sixth or where are we now? I think it's like fifth or sixth. I've lost track. Wasn't it a, uh, it was a hit thing, wasn't it? No, she was dealing with, she was dealing no, with kidney was, stones. It was kidney stones. That's right. That's right. It was kidney stones. Yep. Yeah. Just, and I've had kidney stones and trust me, 
uh, yeah, probably should have been our number one on the list with the kidney stones. Yeah, yeah, that that would go. That might even surpass the Michael Jordan flu oh, yeah. game, the the Willis Reed, you know, ankle game. I, yeah, it was kidney stones. You're right. I I remember that now. But yeah, I I just felt you know I went back and forth, but I felt like that had to be on the list somewhere, uh, just because of how dominating she is in her sport. I mean, we talk about how much James Harden dominates the NBA. Uh, despite all the haters, but anyway, you know how JJ Watt has dominated the Texans, even though even without or even with his injuries, just off the field, the impact he's had. But Simone Biles in the sport of gymnastics, I, I'd say, is just light years ahead of everyone. So I had to put that moment as number nine on mine. All right, last one, my number ten, and this is might get washed a little bit under the. Well, how, how would you say what? Like put under the carpet or whatever yeah. the saying Swept goes. Under the rug kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it could be forgotten, but let's not forget that on March 24th, the Houston Cougars beat Ohio State in the NCAA tournament to reach the Sweet 16. And you think, well, okay. I don't remember much about the game. And we talked about moments. And a lot of these ones, I was trying to, there was actual moments involved, whether it was the second of a trade, whether it was a shot, whether it was the home run. Uh, whether it was a play, but for them to get to zero zero on the clock and reach the Sweet 16 was a big deal because it's the first time in 35 years. The last time they had done it was Akeem Olajuwon being their center. <laughs> that, that's how far back it went. Wow, I am shocked. We actually match. That was my number ten. I, I mean, I went back and forth on that too. I'm like, how can you not? I mean, how can you have a top ten list and not put the Cougars basketball team? I mean. You know, it, if there had been an actual moment, you know, a last second buzzer beater or something, but but just the fact that, yeah, like you said, at the end of that game and the significance of what it did, it put them in the Sweet 16, first time in 35 years, it was slamma jamma, you know, you go back to that time with Hakeem and Clyde and, you know, uh, Reed Geddes, Michael Young and those guys were the ones who did it, so... Yeah, I had to put that as as number ten on my list. So I I, I don't know why, but I, I kind of thought you and I might differ on that as far as what our number ten would be. But that's exactly what I had. Was there anything else that you have as a as a runner up? Oh gosh, a ton. I mean, you could go back to several other Astros moments. I mean, I I did initially have Abraham Toro's hit in the top ten, then I took it out. So that that certainly bears mentioning. You know, any of Garrett Cole's uh, ALCS performances would have to be in there. Michael Brantley's, you know, brilliant catch and throw double play. I mean, it's it's hard not to have that in there. There was a Josh Reddick uh, where he Josh Reddick, robbed a yep. home run at, uh, at the end of a game. I'm trying to remember which game that was. against the Rangers. Yeah, it was against uh, Hunter Pence, actually. Uh, yeah, that that's definitely in there. And then again, all the James Harden moments of, of just all the things he did you know, this past year, uh, you could put any one of those as an honorable mentioned. Uh, the combined no-hitter August 3rd against Seattle with the Astros with four pitchers combining, you know, include, I guess the, the newly acquired Aaron Sanchez who started, Joe Biagini, I mean, that was pretty good. Yeah, it was uh, Hunter Pence on May 9th is what you're referring to, that Josh Reddick uh, robbed that home run with against the Rangers. Uh you know, Texans, of course, I, I had the Brian Gain firing as one. Uh, I, I started to put the Tunsil trade in there. I, I probably should have. I, I don't know what I would have taken out, but that, that probably should really be in the top 10 just because of 
what it did for the Texans and how it solidified them. But, you know, it, it was definitely on my mind. So, yeah, there, there's just so many moments. We, we could do a top 20 and people would probably still yell at us for leaving stuff out. Yeah, if you disagree or you want to add something and we'll mention it uh, in the next uh, podcast for sure, uh, let us know. Info at HoustonSportsTalk.net is the email address or, you know, you can catch us through Facebook and Twitter as always. But, uh, yeah, I, I just I, as you were talking, I was trying to come up with something that we may have forgotten. There there might have been a, a James Harden uh, putting somebody – uh, in a, in a, in a torture chamber going one-on-one that, that, uh, you would put in that top 10 somewhere, or there could have been, um, another Astros moment that, uh, cause the Astros just had so many incredible, I mean, it was just, uh, it was a record year for them in so many ways. They, they've had the most wins and there was, it seemed like every night something different was happening for sure. And then there was the Baltimore Orioles game. And I started to put that in there too. What was it? The 23 to two where, where Jordan Alvarez, you know, as if he didn't already amaze us enough. I mean, he went crazy that night, and so did a whole bunch of other hitters. So if you're talking about a game type of moment, that that would certainly be up there with the Astros. But absolutely uh, let us know. Uh, I don't think we, we've got, or at least I don't have anything else on, on, the, on the Texans game this Saturday. Nothing's happened the last couple of days that's made me rethink the way I'm looking at this game. The Texans last I checked. Now, this was uh, within the last, uh, maybe it was like 24 hours ago. The Texans were favored by three and a half, which... Yes, that's what I saw. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised they're giving them that little half because these are two even teams. And if the teams are even, you get three points for the home field. I'm surprised they're giving the Texans an extra half point on on that. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised. I don't know if it's because they're at home. You know, that usually kind of tends to sway the half, you know, sometimes. If, if If they feel like the teams stack up evenly... I just my thing on the Texans, you know, obviously, Will Fuller, it's still questionable whether he's going to play. That's going to make a difference. My my biggest thing is which Texans team is going to show up in this playoff game. I I mean, you hate to think last year, you know, you had some hopes coming in to the Indianapolis game and they just totally stunk it up. My goodness. I I mean, I shudder to think if that happens again in the Buffalo game, they just they can't come out flat. They, they've got to come out and, and at least get a good start. You know, Buffalo's defense is pretty darn good. It, it's better than the Texans' defense. Now, I think the Texans' offense is better than the Bills' offense as a whole, but that doesn't mean anything. I mean, how many times have we seen that? And Deshaun has struggled, or the running game hasn't gotten it going. You know, the offensive line kind of collapses, some, some really ridiculous penalties. So my biggest question going into Saturday, Robert, is, which Texans team are we looking at? Are we looking at a team that might actually go deep into the playoffs and really get it together and come through in the clutch? Or are we going to see the same Texans team that has stunk it up in the playoffs most of the time, except for that win against uh, the Oakland Raiders several years ago when they had, you know, heaven forbid, Connor Cook was in the game. Every year, you know, you get to that New Year's Eve and you're, okay, what am I wanting for the new year? And you're, you're wishing for good health. And if you're the Texans, Will Fuller is all the health that matters for the Texans because in games Will Fuller played more than 6% of the Texans' offensive snaps this year, their record is 8-2. and two. In the other games, they're 2-4. and four. In the last two years, the Texans are 13-4, and four, Stephen, with Will Fuller playing more than 6% of the snaps. Without Ful- Will Fuller, they're 8-7. and seven. Well, and it just makes you wonder if he were healthy, like throughout, if he if he were just so much more durable 
I mean, it makes you wonder how many more games would the Texans have won? I mean, I think the the Baltimore game that wasn't going to happen. It wouldn't have mattered. Will Fuller, uh, you know, he could have gone off in that game. Probably he might have made it closer, but I don't think the Texans would have won that game. You know, and then some of the others, of course, the Broncos game. I mean, those games were were so out of reach. But you know, in some of the closer games, I, I mean, to think if Will Fuller had just been in a lot more of those games, where the Texans would be. Yeah, they'd probably be easily the number two seed. Last thing I'm going to mention is last night, Stephen, I figured, you know, I wanted to go out and maybe get out of the house a little bit. And I decided to go over to Rudyard's and see uh, open mic night. And our friend Andy Huggins, who was on the podcast about a year ago. Do you remember uh, the interview with Andy Huggins? I vaguely remember that. Yeah, I, I think I remember tuning into that. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to start putting up a, a little throwback Thursday, I think within the next few weeks and which I'm going to put up some of the best of the interviews that we've done uh, over the past few years up, up on throwback Thursday. Cause I know some of you have just joined the podcast recently. You might've missed them or, you know, you might want to hear them again, but uh, uh, Andy Huggins, America's got talent. He was on that show and it's an incredible story about, you know, his whole life. And he, every Monday, practically, he goes over to uh, Rudyard's and performs on open mic night. So I encourage everyone to go there. It's free. You get to see some young comedians, maybe some up and coming comedians. And uh, you get to see Andy and Andy is just, he's really good. I mean, if you haven't seen Andy's stuff, just uh, go to YouTube and and check it out. Uh, There's uh, his uh, performance on America's Got Talent. You can kind of get an idea what he does, but um, you know, I, I, I saw the, of course, the America's Got Talent. There's new material. He's always working on new material. So, you know, you go there, you'll, you'll see some new stuff and, and, and he'll definitely make you laugh. And I feel like we need that. That That's that's a big goal, I think, every every day for me. But especially right now, especially as we head into 2020, we could use a little laughter. Yeah, laughter is always good. And uh, I, I'm going to end my New Year's. This is kind of taking a chance here, but. I'm going over to a friend's house to watch the Longhorns. And again, you know, like the Texans, wonder which Longhorns team is going to show up against Utah in the Alamo Bowl. They, they're big UT fans, and, you know, I, I root for the Longhorns as well. So that's how I'm going to end my New Year's, and hopefully it will end with a with a laugh and a smile because the Longhorns win. But either way, you know, whatever you're doing for New Year's, enjoy yourself, but please be safe. Please be responsible. We want you back in 2020 so that, uh, you know, you can continue to live your life and, of course, listen to our podcast. So happy new year and have a safe one. Yeah, before I go, I haven't even asked you this. What did you think of the Longhorns coaching changes? Do you like them? Well, they had to happen. I, I, I mean, they absolutely had to happen. If Tom Herman wants to save his job, that there's just no other way. I, I mean, I wasn't really surprised. I don't think anybody was surprised that Todd Orlando was let go as defensive coordinator Maybe a little bit of a surprise with the offensive coordinator shift and, the, you know, they've hired the coach from Ohio State to take over. I think that should be a good hire. But, no, I wasn't surprised at all. I mean, it just – it had to happen. And if Tom Herman doesn't get it done, I mean, if they have another 7-5, and 6-6, six and six, you know, I don't even know, 8-4 and four maybe would save him. But they're paying him a lot of money. And, you know, UT fans, alumni, boosters, they are not patient. They have never been patient. So – this is going to be a crucial year for Tom Herman. A win in the Alamo Bowl, you know, is certainly a step in the right direction, but I don't think it'll have near the impact as whatever happens next season. 
And if Sam Ellinger does come back, I mean, I, I think he will. But next year is going to be critical for the Longhorns as far as with the coaching changes. I mean, I know you only have one year to get your system in place, but like I said, UT fans and alumni and boosters aren't patient. Yeah, these bowl games, you can say remember the Alamo, but you're probably going to forget the Alamo Bowl. <laughs> yeah, it certainly doesn't compare to the Sugar Bowl with the big win last year and all the expectations that Texas had coming into this year and just how short they fell. Well, finally, I just just want to thank everybody for supporting us for this last decade. It's hard for me to even you know, <laughs> fathom that this is this is it for the tens, and we're entering the roaring twenties. And hopefully, uh, they'll come in with a roar and, and some good stuff for for everyone. But uh, thank thank you so much for making us a part of your last decade, and and we continue to go forward and and hope that uh, you'll make us part of the continuing decade and do us a favor, make it part of your new year's resolution to share our links, uh, share the links of our podcast with your social media followers, whether it's on Facebook or Twitter or whatever you use and uh, get the word out there. We, we would really appreciate it. Have a wonderful new year, everybody. Happy 2020. You're listening to Houston sports talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.